Happy Tuesday to you this morning. Glad to be spending this morning time with you this morning. Uh, We are uh, in between books in our studies right now and considering, going to do a little talk, calling it Disciple Talk, Uh, maybe for the duration of the week. We will see just questions about discipleship and what does it mean to live as a disciple, what does it mean to live as a follower of Christ, Uh, and going to be talking about that issue this morning, starting out of the gate with this question, why bother? I mean, why bother all this Christian stuff anyway? What what difference does it make? Why should we why should we even worry about it? Why go to church? You know, why be a part of a Bible study? Um any of those things, why? Just just why? I mean, and I asked that question of a young man uh uh a week ago when we met and talked and discussed about, you know, here you are, you're a, 
young 20-something, and I mean, why go? And do we settle for far too little? And uh, if if some of the reasons that we're going to give for why we should engage in uh, in the Christian life are valid, then why not more? And why not do more? And why not grow more? And why not be involved more? And uh, and I'm not just talking about being involved in busy stuff. I'm talking about, you know, in our daily life, in our daily rhythms, in that type of thing. That That's really what I am talking about here and being involved in that way. Why bother? Why follow Christ anyway? Uh, there was a group of guys, and I, I introduced a little bit of this to us on uh, on Sunday, and I had the the four chairs that, that I put up in front of, uh, of us to consider. In fact, let me, uh, I'll bring that back up here so we can maybe take a look at that again. Uh, uh, there, I'll put that up so we can take a look at it. Uh, this model that we looked at here, four chairs uh, developed by my one of my mentors, Dan Spader, uh, Sun Life Ministries, uh, Concentric Global, you'll be hearing more about that name, I'm sure, and Sun Life, uh, and this was the type of training. He didn't use four chairs back then. It was a a different type of model that, that was used, but the four chairs worked as he was explaining this to a large church down in um, Louisville and a Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, and he came up with this idea of how to communicate the progression uh, but in John chapter 1, Jesus was going along. He did not yet have any followers, and he said "He said to the people that he saw, he said, uh, come and see, and, uh, and I will take you to the passage so you can see it. But but this, this idea of a progression uh, in, in the Christian life, and oftentimes we're happy just to get, you know, get people in— uh, onto the second chair, and the second chair would look like this. Uh, and we would talk about this being people who are, are now Christians. They're, they're followers of Jesus, and uh, that's that second chair, and we're, we're happy. Okay, we got them to the second chair. They're going to go to heaven someday. Uh, but isn't there more than that? There's a lot more than that. And, and oftentimes what happens is, and I don't think I showed you, uh, oftentimes what happens is uh, we become discontented in the Christian life. And I, I think the reason we become discontented in the Christian life is because we haven't learned how to bear fruit. Uh, what type of fruit am I talking about? I mean, there, there's the fruit of righteousness. Yes, yes there's that. Uh, there's the, the, the fruit of uh, the fruit of the Spirit and, and learning how to live in Christ so that the fruit of the Spirit is evident. That, that's true. But, but then what about fruit, the fruit of, of helping other people to grow in their Christian experience? There's that type of fruit. And I really believe that Jesus' model, Jesus' strategy is that when people begin to learn how to bear fruit, that's what, what really begins to, to make their faith come more alive. And so here you see, you come and see, come follow me. And then, then the third level over there is... Uh, follow me and fish for men. And, and this is that idea now of bearing fruit. But but I want to start with the first question that comes out of John chapter 1 as he was first getting his first uh, initial followers. Uh, 
And out of John chapter 1, he was going along, and he didn't have any followers yet, and he'd been baptized. Uh, and we come down to John chapter 1. Uh, in verse 39. Now, I'll back up a little bit. I'm going to go back up to Jesus being uh, baptized. John chapter 1, verse 19 says this. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. I mean, this, they're asking John the question, John, who are you, man? I mean, you're out here in the desert, man, <laughs> Bidenism. Uh, but who who are you uh, that you should be out here doing these things? And he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. Uh, they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you have to say for yourself, or what do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, and why then do you baptize if you are not Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And he says in verse 26, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. All this happened while uh, at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Now, now I just want to hit a question. Verse 26 says this, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. I mean, I know that that, largely isn't true of us, that Jesus is among us, but uh, I hope that you know Jesus. I hope that you know him as your Savior. I hope that you know him as your Lord. I hope you know him as the one who's transforming your life. I hope that you know him uh, as your friend, because he calls us friends. In John 15, he will call us friends. Uh, he is a brother also, Ultimately, though, I mean, he's creator, he is God, he is savior, uh, and, and I hope that you know him. He stands among us, and I hope that you don't just have religious experience, but that it goes farther than that and that you really, truly know Christ. John one twenty six. among you stands one you do not know, and I hope that all of us can say that we know him. Now, getting down into verse 29, it says this, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now, that, that sound, that's interesting-sounding language, but exactly what is being said is this. He's the creator of the world. Uh, he was born... Uh, he was here, he's been from all time, even before he was born. That's what he means when he says, the one who is before me. Verse 31, he says, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. I mean, this baptism of water that, that John was doing 
uh, it, it really just opened the door up for Jesus. I mean, it it was a new religious uh, practice, a new religious ex- expression. Uh, it wasn't just religious. I mean, it was it was very uh, rudimentary, very fundamental in in the lives of the people who were being baptized because they were doing it publicly down at the Jordan saying, I'm repenting of my sins. They were saying, I'm sinners. They were saying, I am in need of a Savior. All those things they're saying about themselves. So that's why he was baptizing. Verse 31, that he might be revealed, that Jesus might be revealed to to Israel. says in verse 32, then John gave this testimony. "I, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. So this is John's testimony, and uh, Jesus will be baptized at this point. And we get down to verse 35, and it says this. The next day, John was there with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing, he said, look, the Lamb of God, this is a phrase. Why Lamb? Lamb, because Lamb was what was sacrificed uh, for the sins of the people in the Old Testament era. Uh, And so Jesus became the ultimate Lamb of God, the ultimate sacrifice, the, the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. This is the Lamb of God. That's why he is called the Lamb of God, as he is here in this passage. So John said, verse 36, this is the Lamb of God. Look, the Lamb of God. Verse 37, when the disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? I'm sure he didn't ask it with a tone, like maybe I just sounded like I did, but what are you interested in? Why, why, why are you following me? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Verse 39, here it is. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Uh, now, that would be like 10th hour from like 6 a.m. Uh, so that would be like 4 in the afternoon, perhaps, uh, our time. Uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when it is translated is Peter. They began to follow. I'm going to read just the, the next little section here. To finish this out, then we'll come back and talk. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So we see these words of Jesus, come and see, or or follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Now, that was a little main accent there. Uh, Nathaniel asked, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. 
How do you know me? Nathanael asked, and Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. Then he added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The calling of the very first disciples. Uh, patterns that we see here, and then i got to come back and say, but why? Why bother? Uh, the, the pattern that we see here is uh, one disciple going to another person and saying, you got to come check out Jesus. We see Andrew doing this back in, in the little bit of the earlier section here in John chapter 1. Uh, said, said this in verse 40 and 41, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Some of us, when we come to faith in Christ uh, early on, we're so excited about Christ that we begin telling people. But then sometimes enough cold water gets thrown on us that we seem to cool down. But what needs to happen is we need to have the fire lit afresh. Uh, we, we, we need to have the fire within us for Christ stimulated all over again so that we would be like at the beginning and would go out and tell people about Jesus. Interesting, I want to let you know, our friends that we've prayed for last year with uh, Live 1027, Sandy Goods Ministry, is uh, they are in Alaska again, and we need to be praying for them as they, uh, they've they taken students, college students, out in different places that they're traveling together in Alaska, and they are doing surveys with people to uh, uh, ask the, what's popular to them, and, and, and the point of the survey is to get to their worldview and ultimately, hopefully, to get to sharing of the gospel. So we need to pray for that group that is out, and they, they sometimes don't always know where they're going to sleep at night, and it's a real faith stretcher, and it'd be interesting to see if there would be some adults that would give up vacation time to do something like this. be very interesting to see. Uh, but to go out and share our faith, to be able to share Christ with people, uh, and then we saw Philip, like Andrew, do the same thing with Nathaniel, went and told him. I mean, I could ask the question, why, why, do, why do we cool off spiritually? What is it? But more important than that, the question of the day that, that I really put into the, uh, the, the header uh, today is why bother? Why bother with all this Christian stuff anyway? Why bother get up and spend time doing this in the morning? Why bother go to church? Why bother look at all of your resources and say, how can I resource, how can I take the resources that God himself has given me and leverage those for kingdom use? How can I do that? How can I use my time in, in such a way that, that magnifies Christ? How can I reach out to people in such a way that points people to Christ? I mean, those are the questions. Those are the operative questions. And but, but before that is why bother? Why even do this Christian stuff anyway? Why not just, you know, by noon be down at Rollies uh, having beer and wings? And that's one of my go-to taglines. Frankly, I like both. But, um, but why not just do that and, and do that all the time? And why bother about? You know, go to church. Why bother be a part of a morning study like this? Why bother um, 
open your Bible? Why bother pray? Why bother worship? Why bother, you know, any of those things? Can I give you two reasons? And, and I, I, I want to do this in a way I don't have any other slides or anything to, to share with you, but, but I, I think two substantial reasons why. The first reason is the evidence. And this is something that I'm giving to you that you can share with other people. Okay, I, I, I really want, the point of discipleship isn't just Bible study. The point of discipleship is that we take this and share it with somebody else. That is the point of discipleship. Unless we come to the point where we're willing to share the faith with other people, we really aren't living like disciples. We're living as followers, but but not as fruitful followers, not as multiplying followers. And when more of us begin to really take to heart the necessity and the calling and, and the joy of sharing Christ with others, then we will, then we will begin to see uh, the joy uh, of all of that and, and see what it is all about. So to be able to share Christ, to share the gospel, uh, and, and to let people know uh, about uh, about Christ, but two reasons. I, I want to give you two reasons that if someone says, why do you bother follow Christ anyway? Here's two reasons. Got that? What is that? What is that sign I'm putting up there? One, two, two reasons. Reason number one is all the evidence. I, I shared that word already. There is all kinds of evidence, all kinds of reason. We look around uh, and, and all the evidence. Now, some people say, well, science tells us. Well, what science are you looking at? Science really uh, is true scientific method is to observe and to report on the observations. Now, yes, testing can be involved in science, certainly. But again, as we test something, we conclude what do we observe with our eyes. Modern science has been contorted into something that that we have a theory and we're going to gather all the evidence that we can to support our theory, even if there is evidence that is strongly to the contrary. Uh, and I, I hate being so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, negative about how often we see tr- science treated in contemporary culture, but it's true. The, the, the pure, simple science of observation and conclusion. We observe what we see in the world. We observe the clouds, the white billowy clouds in the blue sky. We observe the winds blow through the trees. We observe uh, the, the formation of mountains. We observe the, the crashing of the waves of the ocean. We observe all the varieties of colors of orchid there might be. Uh, we observe all the colors of flowers there might be. We observe the the scent of the lilac uh, and the lavender. Uh, we observe uh, the the variety of creatures that there are, like buffalo and bears that walk through Yellowstone, and people very not smartly. I just that's a nice way of saying it, stupidly. Get out of their cars and approach these animals. They have no idea of the danger they're placing themselves in. These, all, to see all these animals, to see all the variety of species. I mean, there is so much evidence, and, and I've pointed before, and I hopefully by now you're really catching on. I mean, this, this absolutely amazing thing right here. Now, I'm not just talking me. I'm talking the human body. That's what I mean. I mean, uh, I'm okay, I guess, but... 
that your human body, to think of the uh, 11 different systems that all have to work together, to think of the 50, 60, 70,000 miles of blood vessels flowing through your body, to think of all the nerves and the billions of neurons and how they fire and the, the synaptic responses and, and how it all works together, the, the voluntary and the involuntary muscle groups and, and how the lungs work in conjunction with the heart and conjunction with the brain and, and then in conjunction with the digestive system and the, and the 11 different systems of the human body, to me, the evidence that is there to watch a new little puppy come out of the mother's womb and and uh, you know be licked into uh, licked into breath by the mama and then within minutes be latched onto mama's breast and, and be uh, taking its little paws and pushing it on mama's udder within within minutes of birth. To me, you can't tell me that that isn't evidence for God. I mean, they didn't go to school to learn that. There, there was, they didn't watch some YouTube video or something. They just knew how to do it because God did that. The evidence, I believe, is overwhelming, and that is why I follow God. Even in, on my sinful days, even on the days when I might not really want to be following God uh, because I want to do my sinful self things, whatever those things might be, I mean, even on those days, he is still God, and the evidence is still overwhelming, and and so I still choose to follow him because of all of those reasons. Evidence, evidence, number one, the evidence, the overwhelming evidence for the existence of God. That, that is why I choose to follow Christ. And then secondly, I mean, the, the evidence about Jesus himself as well I mean, there is absolutely astounding, overwhelming historical evidence for the reality of the Jesus of the Bible. I mean, that that's just another truth that we can look at and that we can point at. And people say, well, how do we really know it's written by? Well, because uh, they, they copied and copied and copied again and, and copied some more uh, verbatim. Word for word, thousands of manuscripts, the stories of the Gospels, the Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I mean, th those things were written, handwritten, and circulated, the, the, the letters of Paul, uh, the writing of Luke and Acts, handwritten, circulated, thousands of manuscripts, because people saw with their own eyes the historical evidence for Jesus. I, I shared... Uh, a few Easter's ago from First uh, Corinthians 15, and I, I'll share this verse, this passage with you in terms of the evidence. Paul says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received... I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the prophecies of the Old Testament scriptures. I, I've, I did not embellish. I've clarified just a little bit because that, that is the meaning of the scriptures. As Paul wrote this, the only scriptures they had were the Old Testament scriptures. So we didn't have 1 Corinthians then. They only had the Old Testament. So when he says, according to the scriptures, he's referring to the Old Testament scriptures, that he was buried, 
and that he was raised on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures that the prophets, uh, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers, and here's a key phrase, at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep or have died. That's what it means often when you read that phrase, have fallen asleep in the Bible, it means that they have died. 500 of the brothers at the same time. They didn't all hallucinate. They, they, they wouldn't have been willing to die for a lie. Had, they, had these disciples, had these followers, had these apostles known that, that what they were uh, purporting about the resurrection of Jesus were a lie, do you think that all of them would have been willing to face martyrdom unto death? For a lie? No, most certainly not. And 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 so we have reasonable, uh, good reason to conclude that Jesus is who he said he is. And so we have good reason to conclude that we will follow after Jesus because of who he is, because of the evidence of creation because of the historical evidence for Jesus and the fact that over now around 2,000 years later, no one has ever discredited Jesus and the Bible in such a way that the whole world will go, oh, yes, let's deny all of this. It's never happened. There have been people that have tried. There have been atheists that have tried, but no one has ever convincingly and overwhelmingly brought forth enough evidence to cause the whole world to go, to cause the, the few billion Christians on planet Earth to go, well, let's walk away from this. There is so much evidence that I can't help but follow. I, I have to follow. To me, I think the evidence is absolutely overwhelming. How about you? Are you convinced in the absolutely overwhelming nature of all the evidence? That's reason number one. Why follow Christ? Why bother why bother this Christian stuff? Why bother follow after Christ? Reason number one, all the evidence. There is so much evidence there in creation for the for the reality and the existence of God. Uh, but then beyond that, specifically about Jesus, again, I, I believe there is overwhelming historical evidence uh, that, that has uh, stood the test of time. Jesus is who he said he is. Uh, and so we stand convinced. Evidence, number one, that's the reason. Why Why bother, you know? Why do I not go golfing on Sunday morning, is an example? Uh, why not just uh, stay home and watch all the pre, pre-game football stuff on Sunday morning? Uh, why not just go camping every weekend? Uh, why not just Why not just do all these things? Because I am absolutely convinced that the God of the Bible is who who he's revealed himself to be. The evidence is, is, I think, without dispute, and so I choose to follow. I, I, I hope, if, if I've done nothing else this morning, that, that I've helped you, if you're a Christian, that you were all the more resolutely convinced in the evidence of God, the evidence that Jesus is who he says he is. By the way, if you want to partially follow Jesus and accept some of what he said and or say, well, you know, I, I don't believe that Jesus was God and I don't believe that Jesus was you know, was really all that. He was a good man and a good moral teacher. Listen, if he wasn't who he said he is, he was not a good man and he was not moral. Not at all. 
Because if he isn't who he said he was, then he was a liar and not worth following at all. But if he is who he says he is, that should have import to absolutely every single area of our lives that we are that we are convinced that Christ is who he said he is. And so that will make a difference in how I spend my money. That will make a difference in how I give my money. That will make a difference in how I order my time. That will make a difference in that I now pray. That will make a difference in that I now uh, understand the presence of God being right with me all the time. And I practice joyfully that presence of God. Makes a difference. Number one, the evidence. Now, let me give you number two. Number two reason why why I believe and, and why I think that, that, that we can give for why we choose to follow Christ is our own encounter, our own testimony, our own encounter. I encountered Christ at age 15. Uh, Jesus is not a theological construct written in black and white pages alone. He is the living word. Uh, it, John chapter 4, Jesus said, God is spirit, and those who follow him must follow in spirit and in truth. It is not only a cranial intellectual assent to a set of facts. We are encountering the person of God through Jesus Christ, being introduced to him by the Holy Spirit. Uh, in fact, it says this in John chapter 6. I'll take you over to a verse here. Uh, and show you this verse. Uh, Here we go. Verse 44 says this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up the last day. There is the necessity of an encounter with God, the drawing work of the Holy Spirit drawing us to Christ. So we come to Christ, we follow after Christ. Uh, I came to Christ at age 15. I, I had an encounter with Christ. I experienced the forgiveness of Christ in my soul. Uh, and it was a very emotionally overwhelming encounter that I had. I continued to encounter Jesus every single day, the sense of the awareness that Jesus is with me every day. Sometimes that's convicting when I'm sinful. Uh, sometimes that's convicting when I'm in a bad mood. Uh, sometimes that's incredibly encouraging. But but the encounter that I have had with Christ, the way that Christ has transformed and changed my life, that is reason number two. So so why bother? Why bother? Two reasons. And I'm going to kind of draw us in and land the plane here. Reason number one, because of our uh, because of all the evidence, all the absolutely overwhelming evidence that, that is out there for the reality and the existence of God and for the reality of Christ, uh, evidence. Number two, encounter. If you have encountered Christ, if your life has been changed by Christ, if if Christ has been at work in your life and, 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 and encouraging you and convicting you by the work of the Holy Spirit in the inner man, and you were encountering Christ and have encountered Christ, that's reason number two. I, I've i encountered Christ. I mean, those two reasons alone, evidence and encounter, are reasons why I choose to follow Jesus. And later on, we'll read where, where you know, is, uh, uh, we will read where um, Jesus asked the question, John chapter 6, you know, don't you want to leave from following me too? And, and Peter says, where else can we go? Because you are, 
You have the words of eternal life. You are the Savior. You are the Messiah. And I believe that. And there's nowhere else I can go. Now, how do you get this faith? Um, you know, the question is asked, is the sinner's prayer a guarantee of someone's salvation? Nope, it's not. Uh, legitimate, bona fide, true saving faith is. And if someone has uh, regenerational faith, if they have faith in Christ, uh, it's going to become evident because there's going to be a yearning for Christ. There's going to be a hunger for Christ. There's going to be a desire for the things of God. There's going to be fruit. Uh, there is going to be growth. Now, if someone prayed the sinner's prayer and they really believe that they meant it, but there's no fruit and no growth, I would challenge them to get growing. Uh, sinner's prayer is a starting point. And, and too often times we just get people to that, can you just say the prayer? Well, no, I, I don't want people to say the prayer alone. I want, do you really believe in Jesus, so much so that you would say, Jesus, be my Savior. I I, I will follow after you. I receive you as, as Savior. I receive you as Lord. It's the condition of the heart that will, that will um, assure us of that salvation. If we know that we have the Son, it doesn't say if you prayed the sinner's prayer, it doesn't say that in 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. It says, if you have the Son, then you have life. And if you don't have the Son, you don't have life. And, and so what do we do? We make sure we've got the Son. And today, if you're not sure that you have Christ in your life, then I encourage you to spend some time after this broadcast, or even right now as my lips are still moving, that you would say, Lord Jesus, I understand who you are. I understand that you are Lord. I understand that you are Savior. Uh, I, I, I make you my Savior. Uh, I, I acknowledge you as my Savior. I, I acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness, in need of your grace, in need of your mercy, and, and I choose today to follow you. If, if, if you will make that the, the cry of your heart, if you believe that, that he was buried and that God raised him again on the third day, if you believe these things, if you believe that Christ is alive and coming again, if you believe these things, then you will be saved. I encourage you, if you've not made that step, make that step. For those of us that have made that step, I hope that today I provided with you two good reasons, two really good reasons. First, the evidence. Second, your encounter. Lord, help us today to live with you. Help us today to walk with you. Help us today to draw close to you. Help us today to, to weave prayers in and out of our lives. May it be evident to others, not in some obnoxious self-righteous way that, that we are followers of Christ, but may people see our hunger, our yearning, our desire to walk with you today. May they may people say, what is it about you? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Jesus. Lord, give us opportunity, we pray, to make your fame spread in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap for today. We're going to pick back up tomorrow with more Disciple Talk. Have a good day, everyone.